Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Back to Growth Minds. Today we are here with Zoe Foster Blake. Correct. Thanks for coming here all the way from Australia. My pleasure. 16 hour flight, right? Yes. Okay. Not jet lagged at all. I'm okay. I slept well last night. Doing We're very better. used to it. Us Australians, we just, that's nothing. Yeah. How often do you come to LA again? We're here like two, three times a year. Okay. So this yeah. is like a special occasion in many ways. <laughs> very special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're building the brand, so it's important to give FaceTime and be That's here it. That's it. Out. Well, you've got hundreds of things going on. I think <laughs> you've got nine books that you've written. I'm sure you've got three or four more that are coming up oh, with yeah. ideas. No. Uh, you've got an app. You've got a beauty brand with multiple different side brands, I guess, or sister brands associated yeah. with it that we've got here. A lot of humorous ones as well. Yeah. Um, so you're, you are really hustling to, to make this happen. I really, really appreciate that. choice of words. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like hustling. If it, I mean, yeah, it's just work that I love doing and enjoy doing. And the book stuff started when I was still working full-time in magazines. And it, yep. was, it was a side project. I loved writing on the weekends. Um, now I have children. It's a bit tricky to find the time. But the business, I didn't expect it to be this big and this to grow so fast and to take up so much of my life. <laughs> when did you start it, the, the business uh, itself? So GoTo was – we came up with the idea in 2012 and we launched in 2014. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, in six years it's been live. Cool. Cool. It's been quite the journey. Yeah, no kidding. Well, awesome. One of my best friends is from Melbourne, actually, hey, in Australia. Right. And he was doing like an exchange uh, in Montreal, which is where I went to university many years back. And we were talking about, we were catching up and stuff. And um, I was like personally talking about like all the things that I'm working on. And, and it seems like navigating ambition and success is... is Treated a little differently in Australia. In Australia. Oh, yes. Okay, so you agree? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this isn't me being crazy. No, not at all. So even the word hustle is like, you don't really. That's not a thing. Not yeah, a thing yeah, in yeah. Australia. Hustle no. is like drug dealing there. No, no, no. <laughs> like, it's funny, I just saw a friend this morning who's been living here for two hours and two years and she's coming home because she's so exhausted from the hustle here in LA. And oh, yeah. Trying to make it happen um, nonstop. Um, so, I mean, of course, we're ambitious in Australia and we work hard, but. I think it's just a much smaller market. And, mm. um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, there's a fair bit of luck and timing and opportunity that exists and hard work as well, that lovely intersection. But um, I don't feel like I'm hustling. I, mm. I'm just so lucky because I get to create work that I want to do. Right. And people like it. That's – I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. And so is it when, it – when it comes to kind of defining success, is it more that people there just – prioritize more like social well-being versus financial success is that more important there like, oh, how do you have that conversation with your friends that's a really good question I think it's really dependent on the person no matter where in the world you live and I actually think with the global homogenization of the ideals of what success means in terms of you know 
how people, what kids want to be when they grow up. Like now it's just famous. I just want to be famous. And it's not even about having wealth or, you know, having built a career or a company. It's just fame. <laughs> so I think success is so different for every person. Um, but certainly to me in Australia, it doesn't feel as much like we, uh, we don't have that sort of entrepreneurial, um, hard-hitting, go-getting at any cost. Sure, we're entrepreneurs and there is new businesses popping up all the time and it's a really ripe country for that and it's wonderful yeah. to see it flourish. But I don't believe it comes at any cost. I think there's a real gentleness to it and it's people doing good work and finding gaps in the market and without that barrier to entry now because we can all have a website and as long as you have a small warehouse and you can ship a product, you've got a, you've got a business. Sure. It's awesome. So success is, like for me, success is being able to do what I want and still have time with my family and not feel compromised. So I feel very lucky to be able to do that. And GoTo is the kind of business where I have an amazing team and they really let me do what I do best, which is the new product stuff and the marketing and the, the top line stuff without being dragged down into the daily granular stuff that I did for years. And now sure. luckily I've got the grown-ups to come in and help. So Very cool, very yeah. cool. Yeah, I used to personally feel almost like self-conscious talking about like there's this term overachiever <laughs> that you would get and like it's a crime like it's like <laughs> yeah. a, they're, they're they're downplaying that yeah. and I used to feel like I couldn't share all the things that I was doing especially with sometimes even like people that were closest to me just because I didn't and you're an American I'm Canadian <laughs> right um, Maybe it's but too. you know I, I grew up in Korea so even like family-wise, they just didn't understand it, first of all. So I couldn't really even share all the things that I was doing because yeah. unless you're doing like doctor stuff or like lawyer or accountant, yes. it's just like it's not even in their vocabulary, right? Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I used to feel like I used to downplay it almost. And it wasn't until I came to America where like people embrace it and people yeah. love to hear what you're doing and they're passionate about it. So that's why I was just curious to know how that conversation goes with you you should be an honorary Australian because that is exactly how we play it. We're very self-deprecating. Yes. We have a thing called tall poppy syndrome, which are you familiar with? Is that like um, crab in the bucket? I think it's like the same thing, no? I don't know. Well, tall poppy is like if you get too tall, too high, yeah. too far above everyone else, they'll cut you down. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. so crab in the bucket is when a crab tries to climb the bucket. The crab with his claws uh, try to try to bring him down. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, I right. think it's like an American. Oh, okay. American saying. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not no, alone in that. <laughs> Just made it up, guys. <laughs> I like it. That's good. I'm going to switch sense, to that. Makes sense, right? <laughs> Top hobby's been done. Yeah. But um, yeah. So you you and it's funny coming over here to do press and you don't. It's not instinctively we don't talk about our successes. And sure. our American press agency is like, talk it up, sell yourself. But That's it just it. feels really foreign to us. So it, it's a different cultural thing, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And, and people also struggle to, I think, if you're doing too many things, like I like to make skincare and books and apps and, and I just like to create things. But people find it hard to pinpoint you. And even in an introduction in the interview, they're like, they don't know where to put you. And so I think people just want a label that makes sense to them to, yep. to just box it off. Yep, yep, just because they don't have to think about it too yeah. much, right? Especially yeah. if they yeah. haven't heard about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where do you think that ambition comes from? If like, given... what do you write on your airport form? That's the thing, right? Isn't it? In my what? On your airport form, like, what is your occupation? You know, when you come through customs. Oh. Yeah, so I write, I switch it up every time. <laughs> yeah, you just do something different. Every... Like what do you CEO put? or writer or, you know, whatever. What did you put this time? You know, I don't think I had it on this form, but, um, I don't know, probably Top megalomaniac, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. 
well, where do you think this ambition comes from, given that you, you, were, you, ra- you were raised in Australia, right? Yes. Okay. Were you always like this as well, like in terms of how ambitious you are and how... God, it's so Maybe funny. not ambitious, but I think you wrote about this. You're talking about ambition versus... Um, ambition versus... Uh, hustling? No, no. It was, it, was, it was a word that you used. Drive, that, maybe? Maybe or, drive, yeah. yeah. I think it was drive. I think they are two different things. But ambition has a, a, a bad stigma in Australia, and I don't believe it should. Because um, ambition is, is healthy, I think. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I grew up in a pretty free-range childhood with no TV and lots of children, and I was bored. And a lot of what I've done has actually come from boredom. Like writing books was because I had no money and I was a journalist and my, my boyfriend at the time was away a lot. So I was like, well, I can't do much else with my weekend. I'm just going to write a book. And so that prolific productivity in my late 20s was mostly from boredom. Hmm. I don't have boredom anymore. I'm busy because <laughs> I have a lot of things going on. So it's harder yeah. to – but I think that also, like, I think the one thing about having children, like a lot of young women go, does your ambition leave or do you no longer have time to do new projects or they're worried about their relevancy after they have children? But to me, I feel like more than ever, I've been more economical and more effective in my projects because if it's going to take me away from my kids, it has to be really worth it. So sure. I only do my shit. Like, I only do my skincare and my books. I don't take on third-party stuff. I don't have the time or the bandwidth – and if it's going to take me away from my kids, it has to be solid. A mm. good project. Yep, yep. We actually just had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Melody McCloskey. She's, she's the um, CEO of Style Seat. Okay. Based in SF. They're basically like marketplace for beauty appointments. But she recently had a kid about a year and a half ago, and she said the same thing. Yeah. Which is like this idea of uh, Bill Gates said something. It's all like if you want something done, give it to Somewhat a busy, busy mom. person. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or busy mom. Yeah. And it totally makes sense because of how, yeah, how, of how you just have to get to better be. at time management. Like before kids, I would just piss about on the internet all day and yeah. pretend I was working. Sure. But now my time for flow is so short that I have to like work and turn off email and just get it done. Yeah. Otherwise it won't get done. Yeah. No, I totally agree. The problem for me, also, I don't know if you have this as well as entrepreneurs, is <clears throat> you just never know when to turn off yes. and you're always trying to fill the void with something just because you're you're so used to doing something yes I think it's not I think it's a bit destructive I think it's not necessarily healthy and I I call it creative ADD where I just as soon as I finish a project I want the new one because the newness of the project and the excitement of the project is what compels me to do it and I'm a good finisher I see it through Mm. and I've probably marinated it for so long that I know it's a good one because I have a lot of ideas I think we all do but most of them are shitty so the ones that stick are the ones that I'm going to honor um, and there aren't too many of them. Like products, we, we get to do that all the time. We get to play with that whole process. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't even remember the question now. I've talked for so long. Yeah, I don't I'm sure it was excellent, this, though. Yeah, we're all just kind of lost at <laughs> this place. Um, Maybe I am jet lag. <laughs> yeah, you can have some coffee if you want. I don't have corona, don't worry. Um, <laughs> too soon. Too soon, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree, though. It's, it's, it's tough turning off and... Oh, yeah, that was what you were asking. Yes. yes. I don't turn off. My poor team will get emails and DMs through the night going, this is great, can we do something like this? Like, yeah. Or just a little note just going, how about we do this? How do you, how do you navigate that knowing that like, as you start to grow, at this point you're certainly going to be more responsible for more people, not to yeah. put pressure on you, yeah. but the impacts of your decision like you you'll you essentially have more leverage right so whatever decisions you make yeah. 
will eventually have a bigger impact on yeah other the culture people. and the team and yeah how do you navigate turning off so that you can make more effective decisions or that you can avoid burnout because a lot of entrepreneurs certainly go through that um, that's a good one so first thing we did was we jumped from a small size company to medium and and that with that chasm jump we brought in the grown ups I like to say so mm. you know a, a, a CEO. GM and my marketing director and a lot of very qualified, experienced people. And that has allowed me to, what I call, focus on my superpower, which is the creative and the marketing and the product-led stuff. So I feel at a point where I don't, I don't think burnout is really on the cards for me at the moment because I've been mindful to bring in people to help and help is so important. I'm not a good people manager. I'm not good at managing a team of 30 mm. young people who need guidance. And so I think there are people much better suited to that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's why I'm always curious to people who have found a CEO is because I think they're really different skill sets. And I'm, I don't want to be CEO. I think that's a really experienced job for sure. someone who's got great vision and business acumen. My job as the founder is to be the visionary and to drive that feeling of the company and, and the customer mentality and to to make sure that we're doing the right things for the customer. Gotcha. Oh, so you're not the CEO of... I'm the CEO. So I'm Chief Creative Officer because I wanted that title because I want... I, like, I'm active in the in the company every day, but it's a very defined role because it's the creativity and the comms sure. and the marketing and the NPD. Um, so, no, we've got a GM... But gotcha. we're not quite at CEO size yet. And I think it would be hard for me to have a CEO because I'm, it, it, there is obviously a lot of crossover. Yeah. But um, we're not big enough to really warrant that yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, are there things that you're doing for yourself personally to make sure that you don't avoid burnout or to control this, like, I don't know, like ADHD that I personally have as well? Yeah. Uh, well, my family time is wonderful it's you know you're still on as a parent but I enjoy that time with my husband and my children so much and that's my off time my husband has a sort of creative um, career as well so we know we don't have to leave the house at seven and come home at seven we're sort of always floating in and out of the day um, so that time is really important I'm not very good at self-care I know I could be a lot better I always do that thing of like it'll calm down after this it'll calm down after this and guess what it <laughs> never does the horizon, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah and my husband rolls his eyes now because he's like it's not going to calm down you need mm. to just be in the now and be more present. I think what I've realised even in the last six months is how introverted I really am and how important mm. it is for me to recharge before I come out of my yep. shell and do press for a while. This is tough for you right now. This is fine right now this in this fine, moment. Okay. I've had a lot of coffee. I feel great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, after a long day of being on, I think most people need to yeah. just be off for a bit. For sure, for sure. That's not crazy to do that. So it's just being a bit smarter about boundaries. I think boundaries are really important. Mm. i got to set boundaries with my email, like I've got a permanent out-of-office on now, and things like that really help me to feel less guilty about getting back to an email like that. Sure, um, sure. And just saying I don't work Wednesdays because that's my day with my kids and, you know. That's an interesting tactic. So it's always this permanent... OOO out of office is always on for you. It's really obnoxious. Even though you're on and then you just decide that when you... You know what it does? It acts as the first line of defense. So any sort of uh, mail that I don't want to get... And, and I put my, like my people on this. I'm like, if you want to talk about go-to, here's your person. If you want to talk about books, here's your person. Here's my manager. So they've got somewhere to go. Yeah. And if they know me, they'll just text me. But my team know I'm going to write back. Like, this doesn't mean I'm much better at email, but it just means that I feel sure. like a sense of... Um, calm about it because no one expects me to get back to them straight away sure yeah no i think this is a really great tip actually 
I want to be off email more. Yeah. I really yeah. do. It's tough, though. It's to, tough. To be it's so off. addictive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least I, I personally try to not do, because they said that there's a lot of research saying that when you're the most creative, it's, it's like the first two to three hours of when you wake up. That's like when creative juices are blowing, uh, flow, blowing, flowing in your brain. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, for me personally, the way I've navigated it is not to do email until, like, noon or at least That's one. That's really clever. It's and then before you sleep as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is that... Oh, yeah. No, never before sleep. Like, I stop work at dinner time. Gotcha. Yeah, I switch gotcha. to TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's true. And when I was I, – before children, when I could wake up early and just write, that was my flow always. Like, mm. I could write so much. Like, I could write two, 3,000 words in a couple of hours wow. for a, a novel, say, um, or a really long blog or something. But now it's so hard with the kids because they're up and it's, mm. it's them. So I've lost that flow. Do you moment. miss – like the creative part of writing as well, because that's how you started your yeah. career initially, right? Yeah, I really miss fiction. I always say it's like an illicit lover that I never get to hang out with. Um, and when I do, I feel I just can't ever give it the time. So I'm about to start fiction again, and I've got a, I'm have got going to have to set a date with myself. Like I used to set Saturday mornings from 6 till 10, mm. and there was no Wi-Fi, no nothing. And there's no emails coming in on Saturdays, so you feel a bit safer doing that. So my husband will help me with that. I just need to lock it in. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people know about you. Well, I'm sure a lot of people know about you through your writing as well, but this is certainly this new yes. thing that you're promoting, so a lot of people think <laughs> this is your main focus. But yeah, and it is for now. And, and it is yeah. for now, until the CEO comes. But um, yeah, I think a lot of people, I think it's, it's interesting given like this dynamic history of other creative stuff that you've done, you started as a beauty writer. Is that yeah. the right term for it? Yeah, beauty editor in magazines. Yeah. Yes, and then you shifted into writing fiction and, and nonfiction as well. After yeah, that as well, at the right? same time, actually. So I was vlogging in the morning. I was working at like Cosmo or Harper's through the day, and then I was writing books on the weekend, and it wow. felt amazing. Like it never felt like work, and I am very happy in that world. Um, but you know, life changes, and I. I pulled out of everyday work and I just was um, writing for a website that I helped create and travelling a lot more and then I, you know, got married and pregnant and so on. But um, <laughs> that, that was a, a really big part of my life, obviously, but okay. in terms of work, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, go to has – I never really wanted to be in business and I didn't ever think I would be because books I love because it's a really solo project and you're just by yourself and you're writing in your soft clothes with your coffee mm. and it's – as it is romantic as you sound, it, it, it's wonderful. Um, but business is almost the complete opposite of that. But the one yeah. thing that strings them together is the writing. And I always secretly wanted to be a copywriter. Mm. And I sometimes say that I created a brand just to be a copywriter with no one above me because I'm like, I don't want to start as a junior burger in some yeah. ad agency. I want to go right to the top. <laughs> I'm going to done Dre for this. So I, my greatest joy is writing all the copy for the products and making them have personality and giving the consumer a fun moment to... Yeah, I, I need this, by the way. Just you take that. I saw this, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great for flying and, yeah, yeah. juicy write-up. So uh, one of our key points of difference is that copy and having fun where fun doesn't belong like on the back of a beauty product in the instructions mm. or on the shipper that you arrive with. And beauty is classically quite earnest and serious and instructive and I just think it could be more fun. And yeah. Australians are known for our larrikinism. Like it's one of our pillars. You guys have so. a great sense of humor yeah. for sure. Yeah. Can't Even funerals, it's like a celebration, right? Yes. That's like, that was like a revelation for my me. My friend does that. She yeah. was one of my beauty editor friends and we worked together for years and now she does funeral parties. 
ways. How did yeah. that? How does like that a really work? joyous send off, which I love. I think that makes so much more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how does that work? Like, how is that different than like a typical funeral? I guess I believe it's more about celebrating the person and having a joyful send off rather than the mourning and the grieving, which is still part of it, of course. But the process doesn't need to be somber. Right. Right. Yeah. Do they just like make fun of the person that? No, 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 no. So it's like I think you could think of it more as like I mean it feels a bit more alternative. You know, there'll be there'll be candles and music and you know everything that that person loved in life. Sure. Um, probably nature. You know, that sort of, that sort of thing. So I guess it's just that lovely disruption of a ritual that we all just held as a given. Like that's right. how you do a funeral. Sure. We all wear black and we are terribly upset. But guess what? You don't have to do it that way. And yeah. I guess that's what we do with beauty. We're like, it doesn't have to be boring. Right. Right. It doesn't have to like make you feel intimidated and confused. Yeah. No, it definitely seems different when I see when I see the label and everything. Yes. Um, did you also start this as you were doing writing as well, like on the side? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, no, I'd sort of moved out of um, day-to-day journalism and blogging. I was focusing on books. So I wrote a beauty book that was all my best tips and tricks, and yeah. that was very much the... Um, genesis of this because I had so much feedback from women about skincare confused so so confused and flummoxed and intimidated and 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 skin is so closely tied to confidence sure so that was a good like way of going I think there's a gap here for something that's just a lot more simple simplicity Mm. you know it shouldn't be hard and I love the disruption era because I just feel like these norms and these things that we've all just taken for granted like taxis no, there's another way to do things. Mm. It's allowed. So beauty can be fun and also very effective and clean and, you know, we're a clean skincare brand. So I think we're hitting all the right notes yep. and um, we came at the right time to have fun with people. Yep. Very noisy category. It is, yeah. you got to stand out. But you can't stand out for the sake of standing out. You have to do good shit. You mm. have to do good work. And people will buy it once because it's funny, but they'll buy it twice because it works. And how did you – did you have, like, a plan no. of – sorry go on I'm terrible at planning I was talking more about life but okay yeah no no please go on because I almost certainly know the answer but go on Um, no 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 I was was actually talking about the business so you didn't really have a way to like did you know that writing copy and making that more engaging and and humorous did you know that that was going to be positioning yourself as a different brand or no I had no idea I'd start a business I honestly just thought I'd write books and maybe try screenwriting or but writing you know writing classic writing but I think that's the other beautiful thing about writing is that it's it becomes a vessel to connect so with all my relationship advice because I was a, a relationship columnist at Cosmo for 10 years and have written three books on the subject yeah it's just a way to connect with women, really. Mm. And um, it's these universal subjects like beauty, skin, confidence, romance, heartbreak that allow me to have these connection with people. And yep. so writing is the way to do that for me. Gotcha. So who knows what I'll do next, but it would pivot off writing or I would use the thing to write and connect. Sure, sure. Well, how did you first get this started? So you were... Uh, you were writing, you were providing relationship advice, which we'll get back to. Yeah. Definitely need some help there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. As we all do. Yes. Um, but so you didn't have a plan, though. So you, you, you kind of had this, like, inclination that you wanted to do something around skincare because you were, you were connecting with females around yeah. the world, or especially in Australia, and you realized that skincare had attachments to confidence. Yeah. And you wanted to be that. You wanted to build a product as a vehicle for that. 
That's a very generous way to look at it. And and <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily agree. I think what really happened was, um, you know, it, it, it beauty had evolved from writing about it every day to then starting my own, well, you know, being editor-in-chief of a giant website, which was basically an extension of my blog, but with money and infrastructure. And then just being a columnist for various titles and then to consulting to brands, like in the early days, like brands were like, what's Twitter? How do we do it? Mm. And I would help them shape their brand on, on Twitter and social media and so on. So there, there, there becomes an obvious elevation up through when you don't want to do the daily stuff anymore. And so starting a brand probably seems obvious, but back in 2012, it wasn't really happening a lot. Yep. Instagram was fairly embryonic back then in Australia, at least. But a friend of mine who has a skincare brand sort of planted the seed and she said you know you've got a big digital loyal following you've got Australian women trust anything you say about beauty it would make sense Mm. and she gave me her formulator and that's how it literally began no business plan still don't have one it's terrible like the team need (laughs) shape and direction Um, but we very I very much play by gut and instinct and then I have a team to vet it with and help me and and they they know when ideas are going to stick and when they suck so it's great to have those guys there Um, but you need help. Like it's fun to be the creative founder who just has ideas and they're so crazy and mm, will it work? But yeah. you also need, you know, you've got people's livelihoods at stake now and right. employees and retailers that rely on you. So it's getting a bit more serious. Yeah. yeah. You kind of miss the old days. Everyone says that like the garage days, right? We were packing our own press kits and yeah. I was doing all the copy, but no, I don't want to go back there. I love having a team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that transition from having a full time job or whatever they were doing to starting their own thing. And I think people often think that they have to jump full into what no. they're doing. So part of the reason why I ask is is because you seem to have made that transition pretty smoothly by. I think there's that um, continuum where you have like your full-time work and say you've got a side hustle where it's DJing or card making or for me it was writing and eventually it becomes like this where you're really torn between the two like you're working full-time and you're trying to do the weekend work and you might be getting more orders and more demand and suddenly this starts to overtake this and this becomes Mm. this full-time work and this salary world becomes less important and you realize this is the time now to make that leap and this can really go but it needs that mental real estate and it needs that financial and investment so I'm like don't leap when you're still here yeah. Wait until it's here or even here for people to be able to. Sorry, I'm doing a lot of hand gestures for a podcast, but I, I, it's that that thing where your side hustle becomes a challenge to your salaried full time work. That's sure. I would say that's when you go. So for you, was there like a specific metric that you needed to hit? Was it like a certain revenue amount? No, like, no, no. How did you know? Just um, well, I was so the the, the site the beauty site um, I had become just a blogger twice a week for them um, as like a sort of editor in chief uh, editor in chief at large which meant I yeah. could travel the world and write my books but still submit file twice a week it was wonderful like on a really job. yeah and it was a great salary and I was like this I think I'm wow. done this I've made it <laughs> like this is the best um, and then I realized I was going to have to give up that salary if I wanted to go into go to and go all in and do it properly yeah. just to be able to. I think you need to honour your projects in that way. Like I needed to honour go-to and go. If I'm going to put money and time and, and actually make a thing to touch and hold, yeah. I need to dedicate to that properly. So there was a you know a little bit of uncertainty and sure. I think everyone goes through that when they leap from salaried work to not. But I had, you know, I had a financial – I'd been selling books for years and I yep. had some 
I didn't feel financially insecure. Gotcha. It was just a confidence thing of like going out into the gig economy or starting your own business. Yeah. Did you have conviction that that the skincare was going to be your thing? Because you could have done any product really, right? So. Well, it's, yeah, it kind of started because a a retailer asked me to do a makeup line and we started going down the path and they were like, okay, so I was like, so what are we putting in these products? And they're like, you don't need to know that. Just sign here and put your name on it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like I haven't worked 10 years in the industry to just put whatever they were going to put on people's faces, like some horrible formaldehyde powder. So um, that was sort of like a light bulb moment going if I was ever going to make a product and use up all my goodwill points that I'd earned over the years by being a trusted advisor to these women, it would have to be really clean and really safe and done right. Mm. So I wasn't scared for it to fail. I don't think that's a, a, a healthy mentality and it's not my mentality. And having sold books for a lot of time, like you work for a year on a project and then they spend another six months editing and you put it out there and it could suck and it could fail. But I'd had like six years experience of that already being in my life. So yeah. I guess in that, to that extent, putting out a product didn't feel. And I felt kind of safe. I felt like not smug and not to be obnoxious, but I was like, I think these guys who, who, who like me and trust me will give it a go. Sure. But if the quality is not there, they won't buy it again. So that's why we worked so hard on making it good. What was the, did you have any strategies in terms of testing it so that you're not, you're like, no, there's no plan at all. <laughs> it's just, I keep talking about plan, there's no plan. There's no plan. I don't know if that's good advice. And I don't know if I could even recommend it, mm. but it has worked for us. But I do think we need to always recognize the privilege in having a situation where I had a, a masthead credential for magazines and I had experience and I had books and I had confidence Mm. right I wasn't starting from scratch and no one knew me like I had things in place so it is it's all fine and well for me to say I had no plan it just worked yeah that's not helpful to everybody yeah well Peter Thiel also says this as well who's the um co-founder of PayPal yeah people often put us in the same sentence (laughs) 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 sorry go on Always being compared. Um, but he, he does talk about this idea. I mean, lean startup is certainly important, but he, he, he kind of advocates a different way in that it's a lot of it is BS, if, especially if you're trying to do something new. Mm. And he, yes, I, I thought that was really interesting. I, I don't know if that was part of your plan or anything like that. But What do you mean exactly? So he, he, his whole, like the typical advice by Eric Reese of lean startup is to create a systematic way to test your idea and <laughs> which makes perfect sense like say in tech in in most yeah, yeah. In most in most ideas but if you want to do something that's truly innovative truly disruptive it's oftentimes not worth it to go through the lean startup because oftentimes people don't really it's kind of like yeah bored. like if you wanted a faster uh if someone asked for a faster way to travel they they would have asked for Faster horse or something yeah. like that. So yeah, it just, it just... they don't know what they want until you give it to them. Yeah, exactly. But we weren't reinventing the wheel. Like the skincare was very much already in existence. And I think that level of innovation, like we weren't making literally a new product. We were making a, a, a new take on an existing category that was already very successful. Sure. So again, it's, it's disruptive, but in a small sense, like yep. in terms of marketing and maybe formulations and packaging, but... We're not reinventing the wheel. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, probably the biggest thing that helped you guys was the personal following that you had mm. from writing. Yeah. So when Instagram wasn't all that around, was it mostly like an email list that you had then? That <laughs> oh, you grew I did through? have a sc- yeah. Well, I had a, I started blogging in two thousand and six, which yeah. is pretty primitive. And I think just by virtue of being one of the first, you get status points, right? So those original bloggers, the OG, we had um, a following from early, early days, and. 
we may not have been the best. In fact, I definitely wasn't, but I was doing it. And so I had the reputation as being a, a digital person. Mm. And I was not actually very quick to Instagram. I didn't take – I was like Twitter, I think, 2008, but I didn't come onto Insta until about 2012. So before then, I often think, I'm like, how did we do anything before we had this digital billboard? Like, how do we sell this? Sh- I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I – oh, sorry. I, I guess it was like the magazines and then, you know, book tours and Twitter, I guess, to an extent. But yeah, I had a I had a sub list. Yeah, gotcha. And most of your sales now is it through Instagram? Then I would say it's our main force. Yeah, crazy. Wow. I, yeah, I mean, I think we because we we were D to C for five years, um, very deliberately in Australia, and we've only just gone into retail less than a year ago, and that's going very very well. Because yeah. I think for skincare, first of all, we have an excellent retailer over there, Mecca, but we have um, and people want to touch it and try it. You know, it's skincare, yeah. so it made sense. Um, and we were in Sephora here. You know, we went weren't big in 2018 here and that was challenging that was that was big this is a big market yeah. and we're learning so um yeah it's I it's, again I can't remember the question <laughs> yeah yeah well we're talking about your initial sales strategy oh right yeah uh, Instagram is through Instagram a lot of it is through the advice that you've yes. given in terms of relationships and stuff yeah so I think we have the the jewel of like the brand go to it um, Instagram and then my own as yep. like the founder and the I guess the influencer for the brand um, but our retailers are now starting to do some of the heavy lifting for us there as well cool. but we believe in education and skincare like hand holding and taking them through it making them feel confident gotcha. about it but Instagram's amazing yep it's brilliant for definitely, us definitely um, so in your previous life as I mentioned you were a columnist and you were providing a lot of relationship advice <laughs> I think yeah. one of the advice that I was reading that you shared was this idea of instead of looking through outside of your circle and trying to aim for physical attraction first, look around your friend circle first (laughs) because it's a lot easier to, maybe not a lot easier, but at least you know that you're compatible, whether it's emotionally or through values, uh, and then you can find the physical attraction first. Second. Second, yeah. sorry. Do you I, still believe that? Well, the caveat is I married my one of my best friends, so that's probably why I say that. But yeah. I feel I feel like it, it, it does seem like common sense to me to go, well, if you look around at people that you already admire and respect and love and you are very comfortable and happy to spend time with, that seems like a good team for, you know, a good basis for a relationship. But so often it happens that you start with the physical yeah. or the vaguely cerebral and then you you try and work out if you admire each other and your values align yeah. later um and that's not to say that's the wrong way and that's the normal way I think why do you think that is though instead of the other way around because it's, it's just it the makes nature sense of dating I know but you're often sometimes you're just not physically attracted to your friends yes um and you you love them for different reasons and and you can be in love with your friends you know female or male for a lot of different reasons but you don't want to have sex with them or marry them yeah. so I think you know the question was, even with my own husband, was could we turn this into something physical or is it too far gone? Like, is he gone into brother mode, like friend zone forever? Absolutely not the case. But I've heard, you know, quite a few stories where this happens, where a friendship blossoms into something more. But to me, that just makes sense. It, it, You've got to wake up to this, especially when you have young children. Like, yes. never are you going to hate each other more than when there's a screaming child keeping you up all night and you're just so fatigued and exhausted. Yeah. Um, so to be with someone who makes you laugh and who you really, really like is going to help. Yeah. 
I think so. In an ideal world, I just don't know. I mean, I've heard of these cases like this <laughs> where it's probably you, not the norm. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've heard of cases where you start out as friends and you start to you weren't physically attracted to them before, but then afterwards you started to become more physically attracted to them. I think brains fall in love. That's the. You key. think that's what it is? I do. You think that's more girls though? I don't. I, I can't because I can't speak for girls. Oh. As guys, I don't know. Is, does I can't that happen speak for guys. ever? Does that happen to you guys ever? <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. Like, Sorry, so you're saying that if you're friend, if you're friends, that's it. Like it doesn't morph into a sexual attraction. There you go. Oh, okay. So it does happen. Oh, it's saying the opposite. Okay, okay. go. Yeah. So it's a friend, and it yeah. yeah. Interesting. So just be. <laughs> Thanks, so they're guys. on my team. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I've heard that when, in terms of, at least girls, the way, when they see guys, you know within like the first five to ten seconds whether you're going to be physically attracted to them or not. Yes. Right? But so, I think that's our reptilian biological brain coming forward. I don't know if yeah. that's our smart brain. I, I totally agree, but that's, yeah. that's generally how Of course, it's, it works, that right? can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of like flip it around, you, f- you fall in love with their brains? <laughs> no, that takes time. If you look at any captive environment, they always end up falling in love eventually. Like mm. we've all seen the movies or Big Brother. It's, um, it, it's that idea of getting to know someone in, in full. And, 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 and this is maybe controversial, but the idea of withdrawal is often a key motivator. So one of my other key pieces of advice is if you're on the edge or you're on the fence about someone or you're taking them for granted or they're taking you for granted – I do what you call, like, you freeze them out for a while. But you tell them, this is not head games. This is you sure. saying, I think I need a bit of space to, I'm confused. The absence will give you the answer that you need for both parties. You'll gotcha. miss them or they'll contact you or they won't. And you've got your answer either way. Yep. So I'm like, don't keep, like, people just stay in this hookup culture and Tinder culture of, of just putting up with shitty behavior because it's the norm now. And I, yep. must, I understand it must be really hard and I can't speak from experience to try and change the norms of what's going on. Sure. But the, the idea of the self-worth and the self-respect of going, I can't put up with this forever. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're just addicted to new experiences, yeah. new adventure. Because our, our kind of benchmark for having this level of dopamine in our brains is... <laughs> So much higher because of just being accustomed to social media, yes. the red notifications. So I think it certainly transfers over to dating. It's horrible. Yeah. 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 That's tough. Um, and I think people are addicted to like the mystery of it almost, like not knowing, so, which is why I go back to this idea mm. of, I don't know, people just fall in love with people that, like maybe it's more infatuation, I guess, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know how sustainable it is. No, personally, I don't yeah. know how sustainable either is. But yeah, it, it would be tough to be single in this new culture. I don't think anyone's navigating. I don't think they know how to. Yeah, it's never been this way. Apps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You have friends that are on the apps. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm not like I'm nearly forty. So all my friends are second rounding. They're Uh-oh. divorced and they're coming through again. And uh, on one hand, this is like there's like all those platitudes are cut. Like it's like you want in, you want in. Great, let's do it. But there's also the, the, the confusion and the heartbreak of just being ghosted constantly or people not running back because there's a better option. And yeah. that would be really tough. Is that tough. a thing in Australia? Of course I it thought is, that was yeah. like an LA, New York oh, thing. Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't think it's as tough here. Okay. I mean, sorry, as tough in Australia. Okay, okay. I think 
we're not really that multi-dating culture. Yeah. But maybe we are now. I'm not single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's come a bit more hardcore. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know. Because uh, have you heard of uh, this thing called Dunbar's number? It was like a German, um, I think, evolutionist. That his name was Dunbar. But his, his whole thing was that back in the day, we all used to live in tribes. Yeah. And this idea of, like, meeting new people was just so foreign because every time you meet someone, you're actually in physical danger of your tribe. Yeah, right. So that number that they came down to was that your tribe tended to be anywhere from like 150 or lower, mm. uh, which means that, you know, our, our brains are like 2 million years old. So the amount of people that we can keep track amongst our network is around 150, 150. anything more. So if you look at companies that are like 200 or 300, yes. you guys are 30, which is still great. Yes. Anything more than that, you just start to forget the name of the yes. people that are around you yes. because our, it's just not our brains are wired like that. Yeah. And, but now you have social media with people that have like 2,000 friends on Facebook. Yeah. Half of them you don't recognize. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know how sustainable it is in terms of no. having this kind of lifestyle, especially as a single person. We sure. are crippled with choice. This, yeah. This is the paralysis that comes when you have, you go beyond your, because it used to be you'd marry someone in your street and then it was in your suburb and then phones came in and that. I can't remember who wrote about it. It might have been Aziz Ansari in his... Wrote, he wrote it. Yeah, yeah he like. might have. Yeah, yeah. But now you can fall in love with someone from Denmark um, who you've never met in real yep. life. And, and the, the... I don't think more options is better. Yeah. Necessarily. Like, I, like even choosing a show to watch. That's why we're all watching Friends and Seinfeld again because we don't... We can't make a decision. Yeah. We have too many options. I'm so disappointed it's going away on Netflix though. Oh, man. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you go for the safe choices for sure. Yeah, you yeah. do. I think the other confusing part, I don't know if this was happening around when you were providing advice, is speaking of Aziz Ansari, he recently had this whole like scandal mm-hmm. about people say it was a bad first date, people, some people say it was like sexual allegations, but it's a very confusing time for, mm. for men and women to figure out how to properly act amongst mm. each other. Yes. So that introduces like a second hurdle that just never really, it always existed, but it's just, it's just so in front of our faces these yeah, days that it's, I think it's confusing for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, and people you know? are probably, again, like so scared to do or say the wrong thing. Yes. That they can't perhaps be themselves. And sometimes that's probably for the best. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's confusing f- for both parties. And I think ultimately, of course, as a, as a feminist and as someone who wants people to feel safe I think everyone to feel safe I think it's ultimately for the best you know we want people to be able to feel like obviously safe (laughs) always and and for consent and all of those things so this thing was an interesting one maybe the tipping point um but yeah like looking into things that we've again just taken for granted like these are the normal interactions that happen on a bad date really is that what we're going to accept is that right. okay? <laughs> I don't think so. So yeah, I, I think I, I'm not surprised people are confused. Gotcha. I think just be a good person is probably the good. Like, don't be a shitty person yeah. and don't date jerks. So if we can just run with those things. Have you had your fair share of dating jerks? Of course. I mean, I wrote breakups. a book called Breakup Boss because I mean, Breakup Boss is probably one of the things I'm most proud of because with all my relationship advice, everyone just gets stuck on breakups. Right? It's it's it can really throw them off um, for a long time in their life. Like everything falls to shit when they go through a breakup. And yeah. so Breakup Boss was written, like I had the idea in 2010, didn't get it up really until 
yeah, 2018, I think it came out. And I did it as an app, not a book, because it was originally going to be a book and I took back the rights because I'm like, no, the phone is where you live when you're in breakup mode. Mm. That's where you're going to stalk them. That's where you're going to drunk dial them. That's where you're going to text them. That's where you're going for advice from your friends. You're just staring at it and stalking it the whole time. So it made sense to live in there and it's dynamic and it works with how you're feeling. Do you but, have the app on you? Yes, of course. Yeah? Yeah. Do you if we check it out? Yeah. Video anyways. Um, and... Then it became a book as well because it's such a good gifting opportunity. And now we have these these women who just gifted around their friendship circle. Like there wasn't – I just felt like there was nothing in that space that would kick your ass, right? If you want to lose weight, if you want to achieve a goal, there's a coach for that. But yeah. there wasn't a breakup coach for that. And having been through my fair share of shitty breakups, I was like, I wish I had this. And um, now I do. And now we do. And it sends you little pep-peps every day to – bore you up. In fact, I'm probably due for mine, although so it'll be in Australia. You know this is like. Oh, really? Yeah. You going through a breakup? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had my fair share. You had your fair share. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of guys use it as, even though it's hot pink, a lot of guys use it as well. Just because you are so vulnerable when you're in a breakup and you make such terrible decisions, generally wow. speaking. this is it, guys. What's yeah. the worst breakup you've been through? <sighs> um... Oh, I mean, there are there are plenty. I mean, there are there are different types, aren't there? There are ones where you just your ego is so terribly bruised, and, and the moment is so humiliating. Versus the one that just drags on and on and on and on. And I think that's more heart wrenching. But also, I would say that the breakups that are preemptive, or the one that you don't know whether you should do it, or the one where you're just both nice people but it's not working, that can be the hardest. So it's not always a cheating or an anger or any you know something that's got a catalyst. It can just be. I think we need to cut this off here. And they're the ones that I think people struggle with the most because you're hurting a person. But I always say, look, first of all, breakups are a gift. Like, it's a T in the road. If you go back to your breakups, it's generally a pivot for a new part of your life. And women in particular blossom after breakups. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, if you in that particular situation, you're allowing that person to find someone who loves them 100% and wants to be with them because you don't. And you're stopping them from that happiness. And you're stopping yourself from being someone. Sure. But my, my latest book, Love, came out last year and that was about women just – it was a compilation of my Cosmo columns but it was also just going, date yourself for a while, be single. Like single should be treated like limited edition. Mm. Like it's the best. And I think when, when – the, you know, the way the universe is sort of – sorry to be that girl – but the way that it tends to work is when you're so focused in having a great time and, and enjoying the singledom, it doesn't tend to last very long. Right. Because um, you're just busy getting on with life and travel and business and whatever it might be. So, sure. yeah, I've, I'm very passionate about breakups, which is very strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a really critical moment in someone's life. Yeah, I think you kind of understand a little bit more about yourself and mm. what you're made of in many ways. What you're made of. It's times of trauma that you see your true character and, 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 and further on what you do with that. Mm. Like, are you going to mope for a year or are you going to look back and go – oh, in a year's time, I could have done this. I yeah. could have been here. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't grieve it, of course, but it's, um, it's, a, ch- it's a growth opportunity. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people try to stray away from stress feeling and, and feeling uncomfortable yeah. or feeling pain. It'll get you. It'll come back. It, it'll come back, but you also learn a lot about yourself yeah. as well. Um, I think you just learn. Like, I had this... <laughs> I don't think I've ever shared this, but here we go. Um, so I lived in Colombia. I, I, I lived. I did like a solo travel thing for about two years or so, and I lived started in Argentina, and I lived in uh, Colombia. Wow! 
And thank God she wasn't like my girlfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> but um, this is like in my 20 or 21. And I lived with two other people. And one of the roommates brought in this girl who was like an architect in Colombia, from Colombia. And uh, we started, you know, hooking up and stuff. And I think like a month or a month and a half went by. And there was something different about her. Like, I think, I don't know if you guys have like, uh, if you have like close friends that are Latina or Latino, but they're very like mother nurturing. Okay. You know? And for me, I was like really, really attracted to that. <laughs> just because I think like growing up in a very conservative sure. family background, I just, it was something that I was certainly missing, I guess. Yeah. And I think I personally thought that she was just doing it for me. Oh. And I realized that's just who she is. Yeah. And that's just how that culture is. Yeah. But that's still nice. And it's still very nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, where, where things fall down was I come back one point at night and <laughs> thank God she wasn't my girlfriend, but she was sleeping with my roommate. Yeah. That hurts. And we had to live together for another 30 days. Oh, God. <laughs> so that would class it as a shitty, I mean, breakup S. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was like the worst. And, oh. uh, yeah, but you learn so much you about yourself and how much you can withstand from that experience. Yes, and you realize what you will and won't accept anymore. Like, yes. Probably not that anymore. Yeah. Your yeah. girlfriend sleeping with your flatmate, roommate, as it were. But it, it allows you to create limits and boundaries. And, and I think sometimes you go, my friend's like, why am I just dating dad after dad? I'm like, because you're learning. Each relationship. What? You're dating what? Dad after dad, like losers dud, after okay, losers. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it, if you can see it as like research, you know, you're collecting information about what to look for next time and what you won't accept anymore and what the warning signs are it's all going to help ultimately mm. yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> i'm sorry about that it happens it, it happens. happens i've heard yeah. worse stories so yeah happy to share my share um cool well thank you so much for for making the time to no to pleasure. come down here share your story i gotta say also not every woman that shows warmth will do that to you it's gonna be no no know, work through that you know work past that absolutely i mean this is six seven years ago now but doesn't matter um, it can still hurt yeah you learn you grow and you you kind of just move on after a while you know yeah but yeah. good on you sean <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for making the time. Um, we So we generally like to leave the audience with one small uh, but actionable piece of advice for anything that they're trying to pursue, whether it's a business, whether it's a project that they've been holding off, a book they want, maybe want to write. What's something that if you kind of reflect back in your life, one maybe small or even big thing that really helped you get to that next step? when you start to reflect now? Gee. I know you didn't have any plans. Oh, no, I know. No, but, I wouldn't yeah. say that. That's not what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. Um, I wish I had something really wise, but the only thing I can think of in this, I think when it comes to honouring a project and seeing it through, it has to be, you have to make or put something into the world that you really want personally, that you want to use, that you, and it's not, a, it's more than just finding a gap in the market. Because for me to be able to, six, seven years on, still talk about the brand and have my passion for it and want to continue to do new things with it. I have to really love it. And I use all the products every day. And I thought I would be bored by now. Mm. But to have that – and that's the same with bloggers or people who do regular content like yourself. You have to have that passion to do it. It has to feel like you would do it even if it weren't paid. So I love that idea of like how would this look if it were easy. But also do something that you want 
for yourself. Do something that you really, really want. So every book I've written, I'm like, but I wish I had that book at some sure. point. Or, you know, I made these for my own children. And it actually sounds quite selfish and obnoxious when I put it like that. But, <laughs> but I think it has to be something that you are genuinely passionate about. Because you can't, you won't believe your own bullshit after a while. You've got to mm. be able to stand there and feel passionate about it. And it's that passion that brings the customer in and yeah. they want to connect with that. So you have to really like it. Like Absolutely. what you're doing. If you don't, don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great advice. One thing that I took away just from having this conversation, and you've been very humble this whole time, but I think it's a very uh, underrated skill set that you have where you you kind of understood what your core competency is, which mm. you seem to really hone that in. I think a lot of people, number one, they, they don't really understand exactly what it is that they can add the most value to mm. and what they enjoy the most. You seem to have figured that out pretty, it's a pretty quickly. I think you get one. You, get, you kind of get <laughs> like one Some or people two. are very talented, but you have that one that is the thing that yeah. you can do better than other people. Yeah. And mine's writing, and so then I just do things around that. <laughs> sure, and it's the first thing that I noticed, actually, when I saw because every yeah, skincare it's is... is too many, probably. There's a lot out there, but <laughs> yeah. just here, just seeing the copy definitely definitely kind of gets you. Um, but I think the second skill set that you have is understanding because you know what you're good at is also getting out of the way, pretty early stage, yes. to understand that you want someone that is a CEO or GM in this case because of the size of your company. I think a lot of entrepreneurs they they get stuck in trying to do everything because mm. they want something to be perfect or they think that they have this big ego mm. and they want to do everything. But I think having that self-awareness in many ways mm. that you have uh, is actually a great skill for a lot of entrepreneurs listening. It's why your, biz, your brand has taken off. Oh, right? thank you, Sean. Well, that's a learned skill. Like I think it's yeah. start, and I'm definitely a micromanaging control freak, like ask anyone on the team. Yeah. But it's also just going, there are people way better at this than me. Don't mm. waste time and energy on that. I don't have time and energy to waste on yeah. warehouse and logistics and manufacturing. There are people who are really good at that. Let Absolutely. them do it. Great yeah. advice. Yeah. Well, where can people find you? Where can people learn more about what you're up to? Well, go to skincare.com um, and I'm at Zoe They Say on Instagram. Okay. And gotcha. I don't often um, dish out breakup advice or things on there, <laughs> so don't be scared. It's not going to be a, yeah, yeah. a lecture. It's just fun. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week. Awesome, guys. Thanks, John. Yeah. Hey guys, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode was sponsored by Shopify. Shopify is a commerce platform uh, from everything that you need from point of sales all the way to e-commerce, whether you want to start, grow, or scale your business. We're here at the Shopify LA office in Row downtown LA, where they provide support for entrepreneurs seven days a week. They also have live events with some of the top business leaders in the world. And you guys, if you guys want to learn more information, book a photo shoot, or even book a podcast studio session, come check out la.shopify.com. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.